is our podcast about culture, politics, Christianity, and what we think about it and uh, how Christians might think about these things. And today, we're actually going to take a foray into our new branding, which is that we are radically optimistic. Oh, what's <laughs> happening? Um, so again, no one, no one's given us feedback on this, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let us know what you think, that we are radically optimistic in times where it's kind of in vogue to be pessimistic, I think. It's true. Right? I would say so. So... Um, the topic we're going to discuss today actually came out of, um, I read this piece that David French wrote in his Sunday newsletter, which, you know, I know David French may be a polarizing figure to some people out there. I read it too. <laughs> Taylor read it also. Okay. <laughs> we both read it. I tweeted about it. That's true. <laughs> if you didn't tweet it, then it, you didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, about... Just how kind of the the anguish, the anxiety around our times, the culture war, the war, the actual war in Ukraine, um, that anxiety, his kind of thesis is it's spilling over from parents to kids. And so maybe this spike in anxiety and suicides and teen angst is coming a bit from parents anxiety in this age. And how, as Christians, um, we shouldn't live in this fear, um, is how he kind of ultimately ends up. So, uh, you know, this really hit home for us on the importance of, you know, why we're doing this podcast and Mm -hmm. this kind of overall message that in general, even if I think you're not a Christian, things are trending upwards in the world. Um, things are much better off for people than they were for, you know, 200 years ago. Yep. Um, but especially if you're a Christian throughout time, despite the circumstances that you should be optimistic because of the hope we have in Christ. So, uh, on that note, we thought that we would discuss what we're going to call the cultural culture war fear boomerang. Oh, Wait, yeah, I, I saw you write down the yeah, boomerang. What was it? Just boomerang? keeps coming back. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor, what when I say it just keeps coming back, what do we mean? There's throughout history a recurring American history we're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you're broader, but let's limit ourselves to like a specific scope. Um, <laughs> this history of moral panics of uh i think people of usually conservative religious bent i mean american history christian you know decrying a you know holding up some example as like indication of you know moral decline uh you know maybe decline of america you know, over and over and over again. Uh, I said before on a prior podcast, it really jumped out to me the uh, the letter that Teddy Roosevelt Sr. wrote to Teddy Roosevelt Jr. in the 1870s about how he's so concerned for the future of the country. Mm. Um, you see, you know, uh, maybe I mentioned before this great Twitter handle, Instagram account, Pessimists Archive. It's broadly about 
panics about technologies, but there's a lot of uh, other panics about jazz corrupting the youth, novels corrupting the youth. Um, Elvis Presley's hips. Yeah, that was another one. I mean, and it's just kind of over and over these panics and um, I would say, in hindsight, probably overreactions. <laughs> it's certainly like the hyperbole doesn't match what actually occurred. Um, you know, did Elvis Presley ruin America? Sometimes I've said these, like, I've, I've brought up these examples to people, like, you know, okay, the radio, like, people panicked about the radio, and, like, that it ruined America, and I said, well, it did. It's like, well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Like, well, well, what do you We're mean? We're still here. <laughs> Which I think kind of gets, like, our radical optimism. You I mean, look, I, I you, <laughs> you, dear listener, can, too, just look at the, um, just trend lines of like child mortality going way down, uh, overall life expectancy length has gone up. Although COVID really put a big dent in that. Um, recently, just and th- I was trying to find actually what you were talking, Rachel. Uh, this Twitter thread that I saw, some guy was like, name, like it's always better to be in the top one percent throughout history, and someone responded was like, well, actually, like one of the kings of France. He listed there's like this thread, just like physical, terrible physical ailments, like literally the king of a country and was, had like boils lanced, had like, right, uh, right. You know, had like, tr- like crazy bad intestinal issues yeah. that were treated without any like anesthesia or like what was going on. Like enemas. didn't have indoor plumbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, even then it was just, it was just bad. It's like, then there's like the material well-being where we're talking more about kind of these, like, I guess the threats. spiritual well-being, right? Yeah. <laughs> spiritual well-being, moral well-being. And, um, I think more recently, um, in my own history that I remember just like recollecting, you know, growing up as a kid in the nineties and, you know, it's easy to, I was hearing a clip about, you know, politi- politicians and news media talking about video games and, mm. you know, all these kids are spending so much time in arcades. Like, what are they doing? Like, this is terrible. It's going to be like decline of the youth. And now it turns out those are mostly the Gen Xers who are probably the more, more quote, more stable established <laughs> of the, the generations. Uh, and, you know, hearing about, you know, every every year, it seems, the Academy Awards, the Grammys. The are, Super Bowl halftime the Super, show. The Super Bowl halftime show. Every year. <laughs> it's like we can just. There's bust. a moral panic about the Super Bowl yes, halftime show. Like, this is the decline of, like, our moral centeredness. And can you believe they're dancing like that in public? Exactly. Every single year. I, I, I have, like, a memory of this in the early 90s as a kid, even. And, um, I think somewhere along the way, I personally, I, I, I know when it was like around about uh, like 20 years old or so kind of going like, wait a minute. Uh, the sky has not fallen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is, uh, this is obviously a very nuanced discussion and people will probably quibble. Well, not even quibble. I think people would adamantly even disagree with, with my perspective on this. But I think the main point through all this is, hyperbole often doesn't pan out with actual facts it doesn't pan out with like how history develops and b like should we even be approaching these things with such an attitude of i think fear and maybe tone of kind of ap- apocalypse 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about, we're talking about the kind of history of the culture war and why we say it's a boomerang. It keeps coming back. I mean, you've got prohibition, you've got uh-huh. kind of the moral majority stuff, violent video games. Um, you know, we could go on and on, but it seems like lately the culture war has kind of, um, hit a peak again and, you know, I think it's probably due to a lot of different factors, probably the proliferation of everyone having their own microphones on their own social media sites, um, mm-hmm. you know, cable news, pouring gasoline on the fire, um, everyone being stuck at home for a while and things feeling off True. during the pandemic. And there's a lot of things that led to this. But so today... We're seeing a whole lot around um, schools, I think, and education. Yep. So this, you know, um, teachings on sexuality, which I think were always kind of battles in schools, right? I think yeah, it's true. when we were growing up, it was a lot on like abstinence-only education or not right. and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so now it's on gender and sexuality, a lot on critical race theory, on masks and vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really seeing all of these fights kind of play out. And then you've got kind of like the corporate involvement, which, you know, it was kind of Hollywood yes. versus, you know, Christ- Hollywood and culture versus kind of traditional Christians and families, and now uh-huh. you've got kind of the quote woke corporations uh, lumped into that, which maybe is a new development. I don't know if it was like that twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Um, I don't think corporations felt the need to like weigh in on these bills and social battles. Potentially, um, when now it's expected, right? Like you didn't. I don't remember growing up hearing like the NCAA has pulled out of a state. Because of a bill that they're passing. True, true. Yeah, th- I guess the yeah the, s- the stakes have been raised maybe on both sides. Like you know we we're coming from the like broadly speaking like conservative Christian community. Like it's where I grew up. It's the the world I know of. But I think there are like there are other like progressive communities that are motivated. Uh, you know, to say like Disney should do such and such a thing, right? As we saw with like the the Florida bill, right, right. Um, but I think that's a new development in this culture war landscape. I yeah, I wish I had it. I wish I knew the exact history. It's something to look up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think boycotts were like around anti-war movements and whatnot, and I, I don't remember them being. I remember hearing about boycotts in the the nineties as a kid. Yeah, like oh, we shouldn't eat at such and such restaurant. But it wasn't, yeah. Whatever reason. But Disney wasn't showing up lobbying and. Maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so the question is in these kind of what feels like um, some higher stakes culture wars. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe prohibition probably felt this high stakes. Oh, and- <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. Like you, I remember um, at Till University where. I went to the college. They had a uh, women's temperance movement exhibit, and it was there was a uh, prohibition hammer. I remember <laughs> seeing like a ball peen hammer that had was like etched in, and it's meant to smash whiskey bottles. Wow! So I mean, that was what people would do. They would go around like breaking 
people's property for the sake of, uh, you know, I guess, you know, eventually getting to alcohol being banned. And then of course it only lasted for a few years and then it was, went back to being legalized. But yeah, um, people, I mean, all that to say is like people got really into it then. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, you're on the, uh, prohibition side of it. You're like probably seeing like, well, Hey, there's abuse coming out of this. There's all these bad things that come from overconsumption. So this is, this is valid. And I think that is the underpinning of a lot of these culture war battles mm-hmm. is it's not just like, Oh, we're fighting over taxes being raised or not that don't feel as existential, you know, for people on both sides of culture war issues. Now these seem like existential kind of life or death yeah. battles. Yeah, I think. I mean, you you talking about the so maybe like yeah, the the prohibition example is a good one because earlier we were discussing just like a range of specific issues and just like how complicated it can get. Like, where do you draw the line on specifically government involvement, right? In say moral issues, and you know, alcohol is an interesting one because there are there are a very high rate of deaths related to alcohol. Whether abuse, abuse, um, you know, others. So it's like deaths of like, of course, overconsumption, health problems, you know, secondary effects, DUIs, DUIs. Um, so it's not like you know the prohibitionists didn't have a case, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and but now I think it's just like culturally we don't. If I went around saying oh we should make alcohol legal, uh, it, people would be like what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so, well that's a personal choice. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like we've we've kind of like muddled through with that one and arrived in this condition of you know, states govern it differently, and there's of course age restrictions to consumption, punishments for overdoing it, right? Like you're, if you, it's not if you drink you're gonna get thrown in jail. It's if you abuse your wife, if you get a DUI, then you'll go to jail. Right, right. So I think that's where one of the places where we would come down, right? It's like what what level? Of, when should the state be involved? Yes. In these things. Yeah, so, you know, like... And by the state, I mean the government, not just, like, (laughs) California. (laughs) (laughs) The capital S state. Yes. Yeah, so as we are thinking about these culture wars that are very important, we're not diminishing them at all by saying that, you know, some some fears of the past were overblown, and now we look back and we think it's, like, haha, how quaint and funny that people thought Elvis Presley's hips were Uh going uh to corrupt the youth or whatever. Um, And so there is this level of not everything in the culture war is an overblown. You know, some of it is, Mm. does feel threatening to, you know, like raising your kids or your way of life or whatnot. So how should we react when the culture is at odds with our Christian beliefs. And I think it kind of Mm. splits into two questions as an individual and as part of the body politic. Like how, how should we react individual, individual and family? Yeah. You're like family union. unit. Mm -hmm. I guess, I mean, one of those, uh, so like I mentioned earlier, I think the one thing that we both believe is you know, Christians should not be responding out of a place of fear. Yes. Right. We live in a, we believe we live in a cosmic reality where God reigns supreme. <laughs> and, you know, especially outside of time, we get a little trippy here. Like the, the victory has already been won is a, a 
biblical biblically informed Christian saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think another thing I guess I keep in mind is we shouldn't expect Christian non Christians, people who aren't Christians, to act like Christians, <laughs> or even be totally on board with uh, a Christian ethic or morality. And I feel like that's often lost. I think the like the baseline should be adjusted a bit for people who maybe are advocating what could be attributed to maybe a Christian belief, and even that could be disputed too. I think there are there are Christians who uh, interpret passages of the Bible very differently. Um, I think there there is a way to get to a correct interpretation. Let me say, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not to say that it's it's all relative. Right, right, right. There is even if. We, we believe there is an ultimate moral truth yes. that applies to the universe, yes. whether you believe it or not. Kind Correct. of like yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of trite argument that you cannot believe gravity exists, but that reality will yep. eventually catch exactly. up. Exactly. I think another thing to keep in mind, too, is you know the, the New Testament was, was written in a period of intense persecution when Christians were in the extreme minority, uh, viewed as, especially in the Roman Empire, as this odd cult of personality, like they worship, I think it's the, uh, oh man, I'm blanking in the Roman historian, but like there's references to Jesus, Mm -hmm. like the followers of Christ, and he gives a little blurb about, you know, Jesus being this guy who lived in the Palestine area, and (laughs) his followers claim that he was God. And even, you know, Paul's letters and it just like throughout and other people have made this point is, you know, throughout those letters, there's even in that that uh, being a supreme cultural minority, being actively persecuted, there wasn't a, well, batten down the hatches and, you know, hold on for dear life. It was, you know, God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. Uh, And go out into the world. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and to I, I resonated on Sunday, uh, a speaker brought up a passage from Timothy for the elders, like a requirement for being an elder in the church uh, is you know the person is thought well of by outsiders. Mm. And yes, I think there's this aspect even in that like pressure cooker, like kind of I think what I would feel like is okay, things are pretty bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, for being yeah. as you know for being a Christian, even in that context, there was. Uh, there's not an encouragement to, you know, isolate necessarily, but to be winsome, to be in the world in a way that's, I think, expressing love. Um, but also right. committed to the truth, too. Right. Like, it, it wasn't, also again, it wasn't relative moralistically. It was, I mean, there were pretty clear guidelines about how to behave and what to do. And um, I think that's just an important context to remember about those biblical passages. It wasn't like the... They didn't have the majority or they even they didn't have the political control at all. Right. And I think, I mean, if you study Paul's letters, Paul's going out, this the formation of the church, there was no, I mean, I don't see any sign of, even though it was very, like you said, Paul, there was no shying away from speaking truths, moral mm-hmm. truths. There was no mandate to go out and conquer the culture become the politically ascendant party whatnot it was go you know make disciples of the nations plant Uh churches win people over um and yeah there there was not shying away from the truth but the goal was not to become the culturally ascendant 
morality. Right. <laughs> it was the goal was to bring people to Christ and all of that would follow. And the, the church should follow those high moral standards. You know, I feel like hmm. uh, the, the New Testament letters, right, called all of these new churches to a very, you know, uh, high standard of yeah. truth yeah. when it came to yep. sexuality, to drinking, to, um, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. Like they were thought of as oddballs because of their sexuality, you know, being married to one woman, right. uh, not having sex, say, with the temple prostitutes. Right. Um, you know, the level of drinking, like avoiding uh, like drunken parties is one of you know, Paul's commandments. The, I mean, so your other, you know, you talk about, you frame the question of how she would react to like individually as a family level, then as like a political level. Mm-hmm. Like this discussion reminds me of like even that time, it wasn't in the framework to say like, oh, I as a, say, Roman citizen or citizen of an occupied Roman territory, like I don't really have a political voice, but now as Americans we do. Mm-hmm. And I think... True. Adhering to like principles of free speech, free association, you know, making sure that those things are protected because then no matter where you are on a moral issue, I think it's you have the ability to speak up and out. Yes. Whether you're a super conservative fundamentalist Christian to freewheeling libertine. True. That wasn't even in the like politic the body politic, the, the mindset of a normal person in that time, you could right. not, you know, engaging in politics was not a thing. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> Unless, like you're doing a revolution or something. Yeah. 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 So we, we like, again, like we live in a bit of a weird time and that like I Taylor even has to have this conception that, Oh, I have a like political role. To yes. Play. Yes. Yeah. One of my is in, interesting is that one of my clients, um, we deal a lot with free speech and in, in my work and we can take kind of public comments on um, speech that should or shouldn't be left up mm-hmm. on the internet and, and get kind of appeals for people who want their speech left up on the internet or not. And uh, the U S and Europe and Canada are like the majority of our comments and our appeals because we feel like we have that political right. So hmm. we feel that right to speech. Whereas the global South Africa, um, hmm. much of Asia has not had that political right. And so they don't even huh. like, bother to write in basically and ask for it. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway. Yeah. It makes a difference. Yeah. What is our conception of political involvement or what are even our rights? Right, yeah. right. So before we get into then how should we engage politically, I want to hammer more. You talked about the New Testament. I'm going to talk about the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> more on how Christians should think about this. And just really want to yeah, reiterate something we Taylor and I have just felt strongly about is this um, mentality, especially as we're thinking about how we raise our child, our children yeah. now is that we don't want them to live in fear of, you know, the future of their their way of life being stamped out or, you know, this this fear-based yeah. mentality that I think that I know leads to a lot of um negative side effects from anxiety to worry to uh sin to sin patterns right mm. and how you treat other people and whatnot mm-hmm. that uh we do have a future and a hope even if christianity yes. is not the moral majority yes in the future um and recently in my i'm doing bible through the year and i'm on the story of gideon right now hmm. and 
um, this is in the book of Judges, the Israelites uh, are kind of going back and forth between kind of winning and then being conquered again because they've strayed from God. And these judges come in that God appoints to save mm. the people. And Gideon's one of those judges. And he's basically uh, says like, God, I'm the smallest in my family. Mm. We're like the <laughs> smallest tribe. <laughs> are you sure you want to pick me to help us, you know, win back the nation basically? Mm. And uh, he's, and then the Lord turns to Gideon and says, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And Gideon replies, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Hmm. So this kind of sense, I feel that, you know, we have to have this like great cultural army in order to be right. um, victors or whatnot is not the case. All we need to have is the Lord. Um, yeah. And we don't get to define what that victory looks like or set the terms of what battle looks like or whatnot to use the, the Gideon metaphor. True. That's a great passage. And there uh, reminds me of the end of uh, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. What are we sword drilling here? <laughs> Find it. <laughs> this is the nineties kids of church. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Hmm. Like that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> like economy's collapsed, yet I will take joy in the Lord. Yeah. And I think Obviously, that sounds really terrible. <laughs> like Gideon being in his shoes, that sounds pretty terrible. It sounds pretty frightening. Right. Um, having a famine, uh, I would reach for whatever nearby solution. Probably that would be my inclination. Stock toilet paper. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're they, they like prudential actions to take. Right, uh, right. Acting in wisdom. <laughs> but it's like the attitude, right? Yeah. Like what, what did Gideon, what was he told to do by God in mm -hmm. that moment? What attitude should we have when faced with yeah. uh, adversity? Even if like even if we feel threatened, and maybe it's not like actually like our civilization's collapsing. Yeah, I mean, having this attitude of depending on God. Yes. So I think overall, blanket rule as an individual, as a family, asking yourself, what is the eternal reality here when mm -hmm. I'm faced with X culture battle of the day? Yeah. Uh, and why, why do I really feel this way? Is yeah, that's a great question. To fear ask. Yeah. or <laughs> yeah. righteous indign indignation? Yeah. Um, is it justice for the oppressed and the weak, the children? You know, those are all yeah. parse that out. Right. Or is it defending power? Yeah. Yep. And then, I mean, maybe we can just touch on you quickly, the political yes. action, you know, what to do there. Like you said, we are in a context where we have these, you know, once in a lifetime <laughs> freedoms, right? Eons. Hopefully. Yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. like this for much of human history. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wrote a book chapter a little bit about this, uh, where how, you know, personal morality intersects with political action, uh, in my, the book that I helped write, uh, can you be a Christian and libertarian? 
but I, I think uh, it depend. It can. It depends a lot. Like, not every issue should become political. I don't think. Um, I think we talked earlier about you know, politically, is everything worth speaking out to? Say, you know, start with your family. Is it just? Is it a community level? Is it at a city council level? Is it at the state level? The federal level? Is it on social media? Is it in the news? Like. It doesn't. Everything doesn't have to go straight to the top necessarily, hmm. and I think being mindful of um, just like I think yeah, the tone and the attitude and why like your self examination questions really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, uh, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, some things like, for instance, you know, the issues with schools. I think uh, you know what should schools teach? What role do parents have? goes back to the government being involved in education. Right. If there were much broader school choice uh, <laughs> policies enacted where people could associate freely and it was there were affordable options for people and true freedom to, say, go to schools that were more aligned with... Right. Uh, if you didn't have to send your values, child yeah. to the school that is teaching something you don't agree with. Right. Um, but currently we don't have school choice so if we are in the system where you know yeah. you can only go to the schools you can afford if you really want to then some people can't afford that you have to go to the public school then i think that does warrant a case for speaking up yeah um, yeah and we have a right to and you know, we should keep in mind that uh, people who disagree with us have a right to as well and we should fight for a, a system where everyone of every opinion at least has their chance to be heard. Right, right. <laughs> We've been talking about this for days. Right. <laughs> and still, like, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's just super complicated. But I think we, we we wanted to share just the baseline of not reacting in a, from a place of fear, mm-hmm. knowing the future is secure, and being aware mm-hmm. of our tone. It's our radical optimism for you. Indeed. <laughs> all right. Did we cover it all? That we, we wanted never to. cover it well, all. Well, that we wanted but. to. <laughs> that we wanted. I think so. Write in with your thoughts. Let us know. Yep. Um, this has been the Cultural Boomerang episode. <laughs> Taylor, we're on to stinkers and thinkers. What is your stinker this week? I'm going to say Reacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though we watched it all, show on Amazon Prime. Come on. We kind of enjoyed it. We yeah, definitely did. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, it was fun. It felt very like um, like Hallmark crime <laughs> yeah. show. I guess Hallmark shows probably aren't that bloody. What did you say? NCIS? Yeah, which I've never seen. <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah, it was just like, we, was how corny, many, how many sure. times have we looked at each other and just say like, really? That's Yeah. You didn't realize the one rich guy who bought the town might be bad until episode four? Like, yeah, and the fight scenes like yes. gets knocked in the head with a crowbar and just like <laughs> pops right back up. Just, I don't just think has so. tasteful scrapes. Yeah. That was my stinker. Deserved. Even though deserved. I had fun. <laughs> my stinker, I'm going to give this a so far caveat and maybe... I'll change my mind as it goes on because everyone keeps talking about how great it is. So far, it's Severance. We haven't finished it yet. Really? It's just so slow. I I have a hard time just like staying engaged because it feels so slow moving to me. And maybe (laughs) my brain is rotten from scrolling Instagram or something, but... (laughs) 
I yeah, it's too slow. I also scroll Instagram. I'm really enjoying it. It's just beautiful to look at. I I don't think so, but the shots, the symmetries, Uh, meh, (laughs) boring. (laughs) That's just how I feel, man. Okay, all right, (laughs) all right. What's your thinker? Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers new album. They have a new album. Yeah. Wow. Love Unlimited. Did one of them die? Uh, I hope not. No, maybe not. I don't think so. Unlimited Love. (laughs) Uh, I think it came out on Tuesday. Uh, The Red Hot Chili Peppers just remind me of summer. In California. California summer. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. What else are we supposed to say about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Which I, d- I didn't like them until I saw them at Bonnaroo in 2013. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, ha- I think in high school I had a phase. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, my phase was <laughs> much, much <laughs> later. Like, they didn't make sense to me until I saw them perform live for whatever huh. reason. Then it was just like, oh, I get it. Flea. Uh, very energetic. Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer. Great. Mm-hmm. The guitar guy. Yeah. They've always been great. The drum guy. <laughs> <laughs> But just, yeah, very, very, so it's just like, okay, summer's happening. It's been a cold winter here. It has. It's still winter, it feels yeah, that's like. that's true. What's your uh, thinker? My thinker, I'm tempted to say the potty training book we've been reading <laughs> called Oh Crap. <laughs> just because, guys, our minds have been in potty training all week because that's what we've been doing. And yep. we read this book about it, and it actually has been working kind of surprisingly well. Um <laughs> So, but I'm not going to. I won't uh, go into detail oh, on okay. all of that. It's not your okay. So, but I think it was very practical. Yeah, yeah. I won't go into all that for our listeners. But my actual thinker, I really enjoyed the movie we watched this weekend, Death on the Nile. Uh, I love a good like period Agatha Christie murder mystery, and the shots of Egypt were really cool. The costumes, like of the times, just right up my alley. I really enjoyed it. Uh, what's the guy's name? Which guy? Like the main guy. It's a oh Hercule Poirot. Poirot. <laughs> Hercule Poirot. I don't speak French. I don't. I don't either. Uh, that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Anyways. So then there's stinkers and thinkers for the week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>